Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Just such an awesome time. Okay, we're doing our Freedom Series this morning. We're carrying on uh, from our, um, our, our looking at this um, scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read uh, 2 Corinthians three sixteen to 18. It says this, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I've been speaking for the last few weeks as uh, a number of our pastors and and, uh, leaders have been um, speaking on what it means to know where the Holy Spirit is and the freedom that he brings into our lives. This is a subject that as a church, we kind of feel like we're we're going back to something about who we are, but something I was saying in Inverness last week, that the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing, not an old thing. We talk about the move of the Holy Spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, He's doing something which is significant, but it's always new. If it were old, we would be going around in circles. God doesn't lead us on in circles. He leads us in journeys. He leads us from a point where we were to the place where He wants us to encamp, that we may know His presence and that we may be built, as the Bible says, more and more like Him. And I really believe the Holy Spirit is doing a work of His rich presence. His presence that is so strengthening the church and bringing people into a place of revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You know, one of the things that we have to understand is that we live in a generation with no real knowledge of God. Are you with me here? They have no real knowledge. They have no concept of God. We live... We don't live in a post-Christian um, society. We live in a pre-Christian society. That the concept of faith and understanding... People used to be, when I was a kid growing up, people had a concept of the Bible. They had a concept of it. It was probably a wrong concept, but it was a concept. Now people just have nothing. And so, when the Holy Spirit moves, He moves to restore the name of Jesus Christ in the hearts of the nation and in the nation itself. He, he moves to bring people into a place of strength, into a place of liberty. And as the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life. His presence is rich. His presence is this thickness of like a, a cloud, like a blanket that is wrapped around you. We were sitting the other night with our friends, our neighbours um, around the fire pit, and uh, it was uh, so we were sitting. But it's Scotland, so we had to have blankets. And uh, you know, you, when we lived in England, we just sat out in shorts and t-shirts. But you don't have that liberty here, and so instead we have the delight of sitting out around the fire pit to be warm because it was. Baltic, and uh, but then we still had to wrap ourselves in blankets, and um, 
But here's the thing. When you wrap yourself, there's something very comforting, particularly being outside, to wrap yourself in a blanket, isn't it? There's kind of that, that, just that wrap around. Well, the Holy Spirit, as He wraps Himself around you, He provides that place of protection, that place of understanding. It brings a whole new experience and revelation to the life you're living. And I really want you to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to do a new work. And so this morning, I'm going to be coming back to this question, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Here's the question, where is the Spirit? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, that's all right. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If I could find Him, I would find the freedom. (laughs) That's the thing. Now, you might say, well, the Holy Spirit, He's omnipotent. He's all places at all time. Well, He is. But here's the deal. He is all places at all times, but his, his place, the place of his heart that draws us into a place of liberty isn't all places all time. It's somewhere where he wants to lead us. God is leading you on a journey. The reason why you're here in church today is because you love God and you love the church. You come, Maybe you've come and you've never been to church before and you're kind of intrigued. Who are these people? Why do they want to come to church? Why is it that they're drawn on a Sunday morning when it's sunny? And we could be outside doing the gardening. And, uh, yeah, Don't look at me like that, Cheryl. Gardening's nice. I don't do it, but I've heard it's nice. And... And so what we, what we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us on this journey. You know, um, we, Cheryl and I took a holiday in Turkey uh, a few years ago and uh, we decided that we would hire a car. After we had arrived at our destination, the place that we had we'd, uh, hired a, 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 a villa and... Um, um, but it was, um, we got one of those like holiday rental cheap deals that you can get if you've ever looked on them. It's a really, you get this cheap and you go, wow, that's really cheap. There's a reason why it's cheap. It's the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, you get the airport, then you get the tourist area, uh, and then you get the sort of like connected to the tourist area. And then about two and a half hours away from that is your villa. And uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's got, you know, goats outside. There's a village shop, but you kind of got to negotiate past all the sort of the locals and it's kind of, you know, it's difficult. So we get out to the place and we go, we need a car. <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to be an interesting holiday. It's going to be a very uninteresting holiday. So we decided to hire a car, but we had no sat-nav. Now, we discovered this, that we get the car and we, we drive in the direction of where we think a town is. We think it's south. We think it's that direction. So we drive. We eventually get to this tourist resort and we find a place that's selling maps. And so we found a map and we open the map and I'm looking at the map and I can't make sense of the journey I've driven and the map I'm looking at. I'm looking at it. I can see the, see the name of the town I'm in and the name of the town I was in but the road difference isn't, look, it, I'm struggling thinking, well, you know, I just drove here. It was the first time I drove. I don't know. So we buy the map. And then we discover that maybe the map isn't quite right, so we buy another map. Uh, and what we discovered is that uh, Turkish maps are like Turkish T-shirts. They're, they've got brand names on them, but they're fake. <laughs> and... and and neither map was the same <laughs> as each other. And the maps didn't agree with each other or the road that we had driven on. They were all correct at some point. 
But most of the time, they were incorrect. (laughs) And so what we had to do is we had to navigate our way around. We would kind of get the gist that the maps would give you, put the towns in the right places. It was just the road. It was the bit in between that was always wrong. And so we then had to kind of drive in that direction, look at the map and go, well, it could be something like this, or it could be this one, that one. We don't know. And then eventually you'd find a little old lady in a shawl selling watermelons, and we would stop at the side of the road, and we'd ask her the way, in English, of course. She would reply in Turkish. She was probably saying, clear off, you foreigner or something. I don't know. And, and pointing down the road. We would take that as an instruction as to go down the road. <laughs> And uh, so we would say, thank you very much, not buy any melons, of course. And uh, so, uh, (laughs) I mean, how many melons can you eat? You get a melon like this. We would normally buy one at the beginning of the holiday, and at the end of the holiday, you've still got some left, only it's a bit leathery and dry. And uh, and, and so we would drive on, and we, we kind of navigated our way around by stopping and asking and getting lost and driving down roads we shouldn't drive down. And we once drove down a tarmac road that was only just been laid and it was a brand new white car and now it was a brand new black car. And uh, we then had to find a garage where they would clean it. So this fella came back and he'd just come back from the mosque actually and he'd just come back and he looked at me like dumb English person and uh, so he gets in and he, and, he, and he just gets he fixes up the petrol tank to a hose pipe and he sprays the car with petrol and, uh, and to clean cleaned and uh, so and this is how this is how our holiday existed because we didn't know where we were going and, and we didn't know how to get from A to B and we, we did the holiday but it was difficult to navigate because we didn't know where anything was and here's the thing with life that that when we're trying to work out, we know that God has put something in our heart, um, but we just don't know where it is. So no, we don't really know how, how to find it. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, if you could point me in the right direction, I will go there. Yeah. I want to read to you a scripture from, Zachari- um, from uh, Luke, not from Zechariah. I want to speak to you a scripture, and we're going to do a Christmas story today. I hope that's okay. That's because I want you to know it's only 20 Sundays till Christmas. <laughs> and uh, so, I know. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? And, and why should Christmas only happen once a year when it's the most amazing story? And so Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, you can hear the little children singing, can you, and the bells, we should have lights on, a certain priest named Zacharias, that's where I made my mistake, you heard, see it right there, a certain priest named Zacharias in the division of Abijah, his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of this division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. That lot, by the way, that's a one in 1,300 or something chance of that happening to him. So you would think if it happened to him that he would be like, God's got me here for a purpose, right? So, 
what, I can't remember what verse I got to. Ah, here we go. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children to Israel, to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the Spirit, and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, that's amazing, I've been praying for this for years. Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. That's a term he doesn't use at home, you can bet you, can't you? <laughs> This is the way he describes about her when she's not around. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them and they perceived that he had a vision in the temple for he beckoned them and remained speechless. And so it was in the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, this is one of these extraordinary messages. And I think that, see, see, it starts off by saying, Zacharias was a righteous and blameless man in the sight of God. Him and his wife were pure. They were pure-hearted. But here's the deal. They had once prayed a prayer of faith that God had given them a vision for a purpose of where he was leading them. There was a vision put into their heart but a lot of time had taken place between the prayer and the action. And so they are now in a place where they are now renegotiating the whole concept of what God was doing in their life because the prayer, the faith, the the thing which they had believed for hadn't taken place. And they'd gotten to the point where they had decided in themselves, this is now not possible. You see what often happens in our life, the most important thing happens is that we calculate how God is going to work based on natural circumstances that we are facing. We say, Elizabeth, he's looking at his wife going, well, you ain't getting any younger, honey. (laughs) It's not possible for you to have any more children, therefore God will not give you any more children, any children. So therefore, that prayer that we prayed, that isn't going to happen because it isn't now possible. And so here's the thing, it's amazing. We pray for a miracle, but we constrain it to natural circumstances. If you're asking for a miracle, then stop 
defining the limitation upon which God can do a miracle. I haven't told this story for a long time. Some of you will know it. Um, like uh, all the stories I tell. But, you know, many, many years ago, before we planted this church, Cheryl and I had to believe God to buy a keyboard. And the keyboard that we were, because we came up to plant the church, um, this is now nearly 20 years ago, we had, we, Cheryl and I had no money. The business, um, it, it was expanding, but it wasn't expanding where it could pay me a, a sort of a decent wage. And so we were, we were just living on on. Um, basic income and it didn't give us enough money to go out and buy a keyboard to plant a church with and so we were looking and we didn't have any money I mean not any money so we go into the shop and there's a keyboard for 300 pounds a Casio one of those horrible things you know you press the noise it's 300 I mean 300 pounds is a lot of money and you buy something it makes a horrible noise right so we could have faith to buy a keyboard that's 300 pounds or there's a keyboard in there which we really liked, and that was £1,500. But because we were young uh, and innocent and just having this whole adventure with God, we decided, well, if we can't afford the £300 and we can't afford the £1,500, God's got to pay for the keyboard, we'll get the good one. <laughs> so we buy the £1,500 keyboard and believe God for the money. Why would you believe God for a 300 pound one when you can believe God for a 1500 pound? If God's got to pay for it, you might as well get the good one. I mean, if he's paying, he's, the Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's not short of a few quid. And so we had to believe God. And so at that point in our life, we didn't say, look, we can't afford 1500 quid, so we're going to believe God for a 300. We said, we're going to believe. But here's the thing that happens. Life knocks you around a bit and you stop believing for miracles. You stop believing. And so we end up going on a journey where we live blamelessly. We live righteously. We we sing the worship songs. We pray the prayers. We read the scriptures. We go through the process. But we are stopped believing for the supernatural work and gift of the Holy Spirit working in our life because we've calculated that that journey has passed us by. But God turned up in Zacharias' time when he's an old man and he said, I've heard your prayer of faith. Here's the thing. Zacharias wasn't praying a prayer of faith. He'd given up on that prayer a long time ago. His prayer now was, God, let me be blameless, righteous before you. Whatever happens, I'm still going to be faithful. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen, but I'm going to be faithful. God does not, that is not a faithful prayer, by the way. It's not sinful, but it's not faith-filled prayer. It may be faithful, but it's not faith-filled. It's not a prayer of faith that changes our lives. And so here's the deal. Where is the Holy Spirit that we might find freedom. The Holy Spirit is with your prayer of faith. Zacharias prayed a prayer of faith. The Holy Spirit was with that prayer of faith throughout his whole life. God remained with the prayer. But Zacharias drifted away from it. 
We believe that we get to points in our life where things can't shift and things can't change and things can't be built up because we think too much time has passed by. The circumstances we're going through, the situations we've calculated. Listen, God is the God of miracles and He breaks through into your impossible. The Holy Spirit leads us into a place where He does things that are beyond your natural circumstances. And He's saying to Zacharias, He's saying, listen, I need you to understand something. I need you to understand that I am with the prayer of faith you prayed. Your prayer doesn't pray faith anymore. You just pray worship. You do all the other stuff. But the faith thing, you're not doing that anymore. But I'm still with the prayer of faith. I need you to understand. It doesn't matter what you're confessing now. The prayer of faith that you once prayed, even if it was 20, 30 years ago, God is still with that prayer and he isn't listening to what you're praying to now. He's not part of the prayer of unbelief. He's not part of the prayer of, of, of minimization. He's not part of the prayer that resigns to retirement. He's not part of the prayer that says, I'm going to survive. He, God comes to Zacharias and Elizabeth and says, you thinking about retirement, you're thinking about the end of your days, just quietly going by, maybe getting some cats and... Uh, <laughs> and to... Re- <laughs> Get, get a few cats, get a budgerigar, something like that, you know, and call them your children. And, uh, you know, eventually going slightly mad. And, uh, and they had kind of just, they had slotted themselves into this retirement process. But God is saying, excuse me, Zacharias, but you prayed a prayer of faith and I'm coming to answer it. But there was the problem. You see, when we journey away from God, we get ourselves a little bit lost. We don't realize we journeyed away because we're still in church and we're still singing the songs. We're still reading the Bible and we're still being faithful, but we're not faith-filled. And what happens is this. We get into a place where we can no longer navigate into that place of freedom. Where the Holy Spirit is, is liberty. Where He is. Where the liberty that existed around Zacharias and Elizabeth's life existed in the miracle of a son that would bring them great joy. But they had yet to see how the son would come around. And so they had decided that that wasn't going to happen. So now they're caught in this place, this, the tiredness. You may find yourself just tired serving God. You get tired doing church life. You get tired turning up early. You get tired helping or packing away chairs. You get tired coming, oh, just just tired. Don't give me tired. Give me faith filled. Restore your heart to the reason why. Why is it you put chairs? Why do you turn up and do the? Why do you um, turn up and serve on a Sunday? Why do you turn up during the week into into small groups? Why do you do those things? You do those things because there is a greater purpose other than just doing it because you do it. There is a purpose because God has put a word into your heart that He wants to do something significant in your life. And it's time to understand this. He has spoken a word into your heart and that word will be restored because He is with the prayer of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, 
and verse 6 it says, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, the amazing, amazing revelation I need you to understand. There is a prayer of faith that is in your heart. You want to know where the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is back with the prayer that you prayed. If you want to find that place of liberty, even if it isn't yet time for its answer, even if it's not yet time for its answer, your liberty is where the Holy Spirit is and the Holy Spirit is with your prayer of faith because a prayer of faith goes into the presence of God and it's contained within His hands. He holds it precious and will not let it go because the prayer of faith must be answered. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is with you. And hear what happens to Zacharias. <laughs> she doesn't like being told not to get on the stage. She just wants to leave worship. <laughs> Zacharias has so gotten lost that he can't even cope with an angel turning up. I mean, an angel turns up. He's never had an angel turn up before in his life. In fact, he's never done this job before in his life. This is the first time he ever gets to do it. It will be the last time he ever gets to do it. This is a one-time only chance. He's in there and an angel turns up. An angel has never turned up, not even turned up for anybody else. Probably hasn't been an angel for 400 years. In fact, the Bible says that it was the silent period between the end of the prophets and the great time. There was a 400 period, 400 year period of silence and suddenly an angel. And what's his response? How do I know? How do I know? The reason why he couldn't respond in faith is because he'd left his faith prayer behind. And the moment that God came, he wasn't in the place to respond in faith because now he was at a, he was at a point, a, a juncture in his life that he was, at, he was at junctions that weren't familiar and he probably shouldn't have been there. He was, he was out of his depth and away from the place that he should have been. If he had come back and claimed again and said, Lord, I prayed a prayer of faith and I confess it again today, I'm guaranteeing you, if you come back to your prayer of faith and confess it, you may have been confessing it for 30 years. I don't care how long you confess it, the Holy Spirit will visit your heart and bring joy back to you again. The Scriptures will enlighten and, and light will come from the Word of God. His presence will speak to you and the strength of the Holy Spirit will infill you as you begin to speak again the words that have been spoken over you. You've got to speak it. Whether you were spoken it or whether it was spoken over you, there is a word of faith that is speaking in your heart. You prayed a prayer of faith, time to come back to it. Zacharias, how do I know? And then God had to silence him to stop him from confessing any more garbage. Because <laughs> your words have power. And you can defer the purpose of God upon your life by the words that you speak. You can silence that thing. You can stop the word of faith that you prayed, the prayer of faith. You can stop it from being fulfilled in your life. Why? 
Because you can just say, no, God, no. Not anymore. You're too late. I don't want to do this anymore. But we're not here to set a time limit on God. It's funny how we, when we're young, we're expectant of everything. As we get older, we're waiting for it to come around. As we get, when we get into our older years, what tends to happen is we tend to think, well, I did those things now. Now I'm looking for settlement and I'm looking for, I'm looking for a happy end of life plan. A kind of like a strong, I want, I want a good retirement plan. I want a good, and it's like we stop planning for big new things because we think 75, 80 years. That's how we think. 75, 80 years. We might think 90 years or 100 years. But we think 75, 80 years. We think limitation. We think to the point of that. But God thinks eternally. And the purpose of your life, He wants to do something in your life when you're, when you're ancient, like Jim. <laughs> ancient of days. See, see, Jim and Maisie are going to old people's homes and people's lives are being radically changed. He learned to play the guitar when he's 70. And he comes and he sings the hymns of old that brings people back into the presence of God and brings her. Why? Because a prayer of faith was prayed and he didn't say, I don't think it can happen now, I'm too old. A lot of people at 70 would go, I think I'm too old to play a guitar, learn how to play a guitar. How do you get your fingers around that? But here's a man who gave himself, I need you to understand that you're never too old and it's never too late to return your heart to what God has spoken over your life, to what you have prayed once in your life. Begin to speak it out and declare it. It might not happen this year, it might not happen in the next decade, but I guarantee that in your confession and your prayer, you will be like those, uh, those wise virgins who keep their oil lamp trimmed. They stay with the prayer of faith and they journey with it that when the Holy Spirit comes they are ready for him God wants to do something amazing in your life Genesis 28 15 let me finish with this behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Let me read that to you again. This is God speaking to Jacob at Bethel. And he's speaking to him at a place. Jacob's now on a journey. And the journey is that gap between a word spoken and a word delivered. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. That's God's promise to your life. That's God's promise to your heart. Here's my prayer for you. This has been mine and Cheryl's prayer as pastors of this amazing church. This is what I want my church, this is what I want us as a family to be able to carry through. We come through on a Sunday and we just, we make noise. It's the best thing. We declare faith and we encourage one another and it's the greatest atmosphere. 
But here's the thing. We all have our Mondays. We all have our Mondays. And I'm not there with you on your Monday. And your fuel group leader isn't there. And the worship leader isn't there. And the, you might get a Hillsong tape on. And you might, or you might put on the podcast. That'll help. But the only thing that is going to carry you consistently through is what you determine in your heart and the presence of God. Jesus, I commit myself to a faith-filled life where I believe that every word spoken in my heart, every purpose, everything that you have dropped within my spirit, I believe that this is what you're doing in my life. And I will not, I will not determine that it is impossible, even though I look at natural things and see their limitations. I know God does impossible things in my life. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www junctionchurch.com